course we may eat of the fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. And God said, you must not eat or even touch of that fruit. And if you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat of it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt their shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves and when the cool of the evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Adam and his wife were both naked. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 25, it says, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. So in chapter 2 verse 25, they were naked and they felt no shame. In chapter 3, they were hiding from God because they were naked. The title of my message today is Shame Off You. Shame Off You. Why don't you turn to the lady next to you and say, Shame Off You. Shame off you, not shame on you, shame off you, shame off you. So we're taking it right back to the beginning in this session, right back to the beginning of time when God has made Adam and Eve, he's made the world, he's made creation. We're going back to the garden. God is walking and talking and communing with his people. And in these first few chapters of the Bible, especially in chapter two, it's really telling us about this world. It's telling us about God's creation. It's telling us about man and woman. And you would think that God would put important things in there, right? You would think that he would say, here's Adam and and Eve and here's the garden and there are dinosaurs in the garden as well. Or maybe he would say, here's Adam and Eve and Adam doesn't have a belly button, right? You want to (laughs) know, you want to know all these answers to these questions. You think that God could put it it right there in Genesis chapter 2, that he would give you important information in Genesis chapter 2. But one of the things that God does tell us in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 25 is that Adam and Eve were naked, but they were not ashamed. So in Genesis chapter 2, when God could be telling us anything about creation, when he could be giving us any answers to any biological or cosmological or intellectual questions that we want answers to, God is saying, hey, the most important thing that you need to know about my creation and that you need to know about humanity, the most important thing that I want to um, communicate to you in this chapter is that Adam and Eve were naked and they were not ashamed. Now, nakedness in uh, that time and even today, if I was fully naked, I would probably be ashamed. That's not a nice thing to be naked in front of lots of people. Um, But God was saying... 
This is something that usually causes shame in your culture in Israel, nakedness, but they are not ashamed. So he's saying, what I want you to know, what is most fundamentally important for you to know is that my design for humanity never included shame. That shame is the result of the fall. God could have told us anything in Genesis chapter 2, but what he wanted us to know is that humanity was never meant to carry the weight of shame. So what happens in the garden is they sin and shame enters their life. Shame enters the world. And so instead of hanging out with God, instead of spending time in God's presence like they once had done, Instead, when, God, when Adam hears God coming to walk in the garden, instead of going, oh, wonderful, I'll go and spend time with the creator of the universe, I'll go commune with God. Instead of spending time in the presence of God, Adam's shame made him hide away from God. It pushed him away from relationship with God. And we see that God goes looking for Adam. God, God goes looking for his humanity. He's going looking for his image bearers on earth because his image bearers, the ones who have been made in the image of God, are hidden away somewhere in the earth. Do you know what? In the same way, when we carry shame in our lives, it causes us to hide the image of God in our lives. God has called us to be image bearers. He's called us to shine the glory of God everywhere that we go. He has called us to a significant calling, each and every one of us to a unique and tailor-made destiny. And shame, when shame comes into our lives, can cause us to hide away from the plans and the purposes of God for our lives, to hide the image of God and the glory of God in our lives. It causes us to hide. So God goes looking for his image bearers. And I believe that God goes looking for his image bearers on the earth today. I believe even in this session that God is saying, hey, I don't want you to be trapped by shame. I don't want you to be hidden because of the shame in your life. I don't want you to be hidden in a corner. I want you to be bearing my image and my glory everywhere that you go through the plans and purposes and destiny that I have for you. So I'm calling you out of hiding. And I want to set you free from your shame. So God calls them out of hiding. What is shame? Shame can so often stop us from fulfilling the call and the plan and the purpose of God for our lives. Shame can be so so attached to so many different parts of our identity. It's important to know though that guilt and shame are not the same thing. So guilt is a good thing. Guilt is something that we feel that draws us to, you know, repentance. If we do something wrong, we feel guilty. We think, I've done something bad. I need to make it right again, right? So that's a good thing. If we feel guilt over something, that's okay. Guilt is, I've done something wrong. But shame is, I am something wrong. There is something wrong fundamentally with me. And God doesn't want us to carry shame. God doesn't want us to carry shame. Shame is the cancer of the soul. Kurt Thompson, who wrote a book called The Soul of Shame, retelling the stories we believe about ourselves, says that shame, most people say it is uh, when we feel embarrassed or humiliated or uncomfortable. 
While we may think of large, monolithic, humiliating public events, the reality is that most shame takes place inside your head dozens of times every day. It's silent, it's subtle, and it's characterized by a quiet, self-condemning conversation that we've learned since we were kids. So shame is a silent prison that paralyzes us from being all that God has called us to be. It's a filter, uh, a lens on, on everything that we are looking at and everything that we are doing in our lives. So God wants us to be free from shame. Psychologists actually describe shame as the swampland of the soul because it just pulls us in and stops us from being who we're called to be. There was a chemical that they used in the Vietnam War called Agent Orange. And this chemical, even though it's invisible, it became the source and the potent ingredient that actually affected many generations to come that had come into contact or that were in the vicinity of this chemical. And so even though it was invisible, even though you couldn't see it after many generations, it still affected people's vision, it affected their bodies, and it even affected their ability to reproduce. When they would have children who had been affected by that chemical, Agent Orange, people would give birth to children who had deformities and unformed arms and hands and different things like this because of this invisible chemical that had been present in that place. Do you know what? In the same way, even though shame might be an invisible part of our lives, it's something that we can't see, it's something that we can't put our finger on, maybe it's attached to something that happened to us a long time ago, that shame can actually have long-lasting effects in our lives and the generations that follow us. That shame can stop us from reproducing the things that God has for us to reproduce in our worlds. It can actually take root in our lives and affect us for generations. And I believe that shame got the devil of, often uses shame and connects it to the dream or the plan or the purpose that God has for us. He's strategic in making the very thing that we are called to do the source of shame in our lives. Gideon, who was called to be a warrior for God, was the weakest of his family, the weakest in the clan. God had called him to be a mighty warrior and to fight the good fight and to lead his people into battle. But the enemy had caused him to feel like he was the weakest and he had no strength. Moses had been called to lead the people of Israel, to write the law and to articulate it to speak to the people and his shame was that he couldn't speak. We see Timothy had been called in the New Testament to be a strong leader and he, he was called to lead the people of God in his church and he was intimidated. He was intimidated to lead. And so oftentimes the enemy will try and put shame in a very area of our lives where God has called us to fulfill his plan and his purpose and his destiny for us. Um, Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 7 says this, Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion, and instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. The Bible also says in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. 
So when Adam and Eve felt shame, they hid their shame. They hid it. But God has come, Jesus has come to heal our shame. God doesn't want to hide our shame. He wants to heal it. He doesn't want us to just cover our shame. He wants to remove it from us today so that we can be all that God has called us to be. So how can we get victory over shame? Where can we find victory over shame? The first place we find victory over, the sh- over shame in our lives is in the Word of God. We find victory over shame in the Word of God. When Eve fell, when she sinned, it was because she didn't obey and respond to the Word of God, right? She didn't have the Word of God in her life. She didn't respond to the Word of God. She didn't listen to the Word of God. She actually ended up giving the mic over from God to the enemy in her life. Because she gave the mic to the enemy, she wasn't listening to the Word. Now, a lot of us have been watching things like... um, have been attending meetings on Zoom. Anyone had to attend some Zoom meetings over COVID? All right, a lot of us have had to attend meetings on Zoom. And on Zoom, there is a button, if you're the administrator, that you can use to actually mute every participant in the conversation. A lot of the pastors like, yes, I know that because I've been doing that, muting, muting, muting all the crazy people. You're muting different people that come into your Zoom room, right? You have the power to do that if you're the administrator. And so you can actually control who holds the mic as the administrator in that Zoom meeting. Do you know what? In the same way, we are the administrator who has control over shame in our lives. We can determine who is going to get a mic in those areas of our lives. So when it comes to that area of our life where the enemy wants to bring shame, we can say, no, I'm muting you. I'm not giving you a mic. I want the mic to be on the Word of God and I'm going to amplify His Word in that space in my life. We're not giving the enemy a mic. We're going to give God the mic. And how do we give God the mic when it comes to our shame? We let the Word of God into that circumstance and situation. The second way that we get victory over shame in our lives is by the power of the Holy Spirit by the power of the Holy Spirit. I love this verse in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4 to 10. It says, But God is so rich in mercy and He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For He raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of his incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. And he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. 
God is working on us. And the Bible tells us that we are God's masterpiece, that the Holy Spirit is the one who changes us and molds us and makes us into the person, into the image of God that He has called us to be. He conforms us into the image of Christ. The Holy Spirit is sanctifying us, making us holy as God is holy. He's changing us from the inside out. And this particular passage tells us that we are God's masterpiece. There's a famous story about Michelangelo's David. I don't know if anyone's ever been to see this incredible work of art, this sculpture, this um, statue. But Michelangelo's David was carved out of a piece of marble that was actually discarded by two artists before Michelangelo picked it up. So it, it um, started with one artist and he tried to sculpt it. It had a big sort of crack or something in the marble. And the first artist is like, I can't make anything out of this. This is rubbish. This is trash. I'm not going to do anything with it. I think it was left for a number of years. And then a second artist came and tried to work with it and it just didn't work. He just couldn't make anything out of it and he discarded it and didn't use it anymore. Michelangelo comes along and he sculpts David out of this incredible piece of marble and it's just this masterpiece that is known around the world that people travel from far and wide to have a look at this incredible statue, incredible work of art. And when Michelangelo was asked about how he used this this trashy piece of marble to sculpt and make this incredible masterpiece. He said, well, I just started to chip away at everything that wasn't David until only David was left. Isn't that a beautiful picture of what the Holy Spirit does in our lives? He chips away at everything in our lives that doesn't conform with the image of Christ and us being made in the image of God. And He chips away at all of that stuff until only His image is left in our lives. You know what? We don't have to carry shame over who we're not, that we're not good enough, that we're not smart enough, that we're not beautiful enough. Whatever lack we have in our lives, we can say, no, I know that the Holy Spirit is conforming me into the image of Christ. I might not be there yet, but that's where I'm going and that's what He's making. And even though I might not look like that yet, He's working on me. He's changing me. He's transforming me. He's making me into the person that He has called me to be. The third and final thing, maybe if um, Kimberly can join me, the third and final place where we find victory over shame is in the cross of Christ. We find victory over shame in the cross of Christ. We see that Jesus dealt with the problem of shame on the cross. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 to 2, it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that He has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting Him, He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now He is seated in the place of honour beside God's throne. We see in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 13 to 15. 
says, you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature and it was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for He forgave all of your sins. He cancelled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by His victory over them on the cross. Shame doesn't belong to us. It actually belongs to the devil. And He's been trying to throw it back to us ever since. Ever since we became Christians, ever since we threw away our shame with Jesus, ever since we were united to the cross of Christ, shame has been dealt with in our lives. It no longer belongs to us, but the enemy deserves our shame. The enemy has been publicly shamed as Jesus disarmed the principalities and powers as He hung and bled and died on the cross. The enemy knows that He deserves your shame. The enemy knows that His He should be carrying shame, but He is trying to trick us every day, as that book said, in our mind, in our thoughts, in our feelings about ourselves, in the lies of the enemy, that shame belongs to us, that shame belongs to that part of our identity that we want to keep hidden. But God right now, I believe, is trying to help us to unite ourselves to the cross of Christ and say, thank you, Jesus, that you dealt with my shame. Thank you, Jesus, that shame doesn't belong to me anymore. It's not mine. You know, when you um, go to a particular restaurant, they might have a party room. And if you try to go into the party room that's reserved and sit in there, they can say, oh, sorry, you can't sit in there. It's actually reserved for someone else. It's reserved for a party. It's reserved for something else. Do you know, when Jesus was hanging on a cross 2,000 years ago, the enemy thought that that cross represented His victory. The enemy thought He had finally won. The enemy thought He had victory over the Son of God. He thought that He had won. This was His moment. This was His time. That that cross represented the downfall of Jesus. That cross represented the death of Jesus. That cross represented the failure of Jesus. What he didn't realise was that cross had already been booked. That cross had already been reserved. That cross had been reserved for our freedom and our salvation and our justification and our sanctification in Christ. That cross had already been booked before the foundations of the world for the plan and the purpose of God for us. And as we look to the cross, we remember that we don't have to carry our shame anymore because Jesus carried it for us. We don't have to carry the weight of our sin anymore because Jesus carried it for us. We don't have to carry any lie of the enemy anymore because Jesus carried it for us. Galatians 5 verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Let's not be yoked again to a yoke of slavery and bondage to that slave life. We are called to live in His freedom today. Can we just bow our heads and close our eyes? I believe every one of us on some level deals with 
some aspect of shame. If you just want to get free from shame today, if you just want, again, to just unite yourself with the cross of Christ, to encounter Jesus in a fresh way, to say, Jesus, I want to know you in a deep and intimate way. And the more I know you, the more free I am from that slave life, slave to shame, slave to anything attached to sin, slave to anything attached to my old nature. If you would say, I just want freedom from shame today, just with every head bowed and every eye closed, can we just lift up our hands? You just want freedom from shame. Yeah, awesome. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, right now, we just thank you for freedom from shame in this room today. God, whether it be big shame over something big that's happened in our lives or whether it's just those small little lies of the enemy that come in and just taunt us daily over the things that you've called us to do. God, I thank you right now that the power of the enemy's lies would be broken, God. I thank you that we would come into agreement with your truth and your truth would set us free. I thank you, Jesus, that as we take communion today, that we would remember that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Jesus, as we encounter you again today, I thank you that every weight that ensnares us, every weight that holds us down would be cast aside and we would live in the fullness of your